Well, good morning, church. It's good to be gathering again together, even though we're gathering in still somewhat unusual circumstances. I've said before that in many ways, it seems that our experience of being the church of Jesus in the midst of our society is becoming more and more alike in some ways to the church in the first century. For instance, churches around us are deciding whether or not they should follow the government-mandated strict limits on church gatherings. Churches disagree on how to proceed. Should they sue to protect freedoms for now and the future? Or is it better to submit both for community safety and also for community impressions? What Romans chapter 14 says about whether or not to eat meat also has something to say to us about whether or not churches meet. So, to eat meat or not to meet, we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 14. Now, the overarching principles that we bring into Romans 14 come, first of all, from Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. By the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice. We do not do what we do for ourselves, but for the Lord and for others. And following our Lord will call for us to sacrifice things that we might want for ourselves. But those sacrifices will often be different for different ones of us. Romans 13 then next tells us that we are to subject ourselves to governing authorities. Jesus is not yet ruling as king over this world, but Romans 13 does not tell us that we always obey whatever they say. Ah, oh, there's the trick. You see, it was the Nazis that read it that way. Romans 13 is in complete harmony with Daniel and his friends not following along with the government and with the disciples choosing to obey God rather than men even with Paul asserting his rights as a citizen to challenge a governor's decision. So Romans 13, rightly understood, fits with all of those other examples. I'm explore that question about Romans 13 and Christians and government next week, since our culture is wrestling with that right now. But today, I want to talk about Christians wrestling with one another. Our passage today is Romans chapter 14. It addresses how Christians relate to one another when they decide in different directions about things which God gives us liberty to choose. Some things are very clear concerning what we should and should not do. Sometimes things are permissible for Christians generally, and yet not something that you should do, or not something that I should do. The problem comes when we discern God's will for us and then impose God's will for us on others when it may or not be the Lord's will for them. For instance, in the early church, many Christians came from a Jewish background and, like Peter, were accustomed to not eating unclean meat. Some of them continued following those same norms of God's law as a way to honor Him. Others discovered and were thankful to God for bacon. As it turns out, the question on whether to eat meat then has some parallels to whether churches should meet now. I invite you to turn to Romans chapter 14 in your Bible. Romans 14, 1 through 9. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes in, in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, 
since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and of the living. I think this passage is very timely for us to consider now because some churches are going to begin meeting this Sunday or next, right here in Clark County, outside of the current boundaries set by state government. What do we do with this? Some small groups or home churches will be meeting without following all the state government requirements. Maybe they won't wear face masks, or maybe they have more than the set number of people present. What do we do with that? Are they in the wrong? Is this a sin that we should call out in one another? Or is it our place to say anything? Where do these decisions fit? Some churches, both in Washington and in other states, are filing lawsuits to challenge restrictions on churches meeting for worship. First, it's a curious thing that we're even asking this question is a relevant question facing the church and Jesus in our state or country today. I mean, in China, Christians wrestle with the question of underground churches and whether to submit to government restrictions on their meetings. But this is kind of new for us. So what principle does this passage in Romans 14 offer us? First, there are differences in how we worship as individuals and as churches. In verse 2, verse 2 of chapter 14, one person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. One eats all things, another observes the law, or maybe another reverts back to vegetarian all the way back from the Garden of Eden before we ate animals. In verse 4, one honors one day above another. Maybe Saturday, maybe Sunday. Others treat every day the same. Maybe they still keep a weekly Sabbath day, but one that fits their own work rhythms. Maybe they don't observe any particular day at all, but they seek to intentionally rest in Christ every day. We each have inclinations that are based partly in our own backgrounds, being raised under a certain tradition, perhaps, and our inclinations are partly based on our own makeup. Some are rule followers, some are free spirits. It's the old combination of nurture and nature. The early church faced it too. There were cultural differences among them, and there were individual differences among them also. So what do we do when someone else does what doesn't seem right for us to do? And so we think it must not be right for them to do either. The overarching instruction here is don't judge or despise one another. The first issue raised, to eat meat or not to eat meat. The eating only vegetables might be to avoid meat that was devoted to idols, that was common in the, in the Gentile cities all around the Roman Empire. Daniel chose a similar path in Babylon in Daniel chapter 1. Those not eating meat might judge the meat-eaters as participating in the pagan idolatry. They are obviously not being serious enough about their faith, they might say. Meanwhile, those who eat the meat have faith in God's word to Peter and God's word in the Galatian that all things are clean when eaten in faith and in thanksgiving to God. They might look down on or despise the lack of deeper faith in those who live by rules and abstain. Neither of these two groups is wrong, for themselves before God. What is wrong is how they look down on or judge one another for having a different conclusion. Judging is normally done by the rule follower, judging or condemning others for not keeping the same rules. 
To look down on or to despise is more likely done by the free spirit toward the rule keepers. It means to consider someone else less spiritually than you. The same term was used concerning, concerning Pharisees in Luke chapter 18. These Pharisees considered themselves more righteous or spiritual than others. It's kind of ironic here that the non-rule follower is the one acting like a Pharisee. Well, the one judging is acting like a Pharisee too. Now to be clear, things are not debatable simply on this is what I choose to do or believe. It is always a matter of faith in what God has said. One group here knows and emphasizes that God says to flee idolatry. They have the example of Daniel to, to back them up. The other knows that God has said he has made all meat clean and to be received gratefully. And they have the example of Peter and that sheet, that table that God prepared for him from heaven. Let me parallel with another debatable example. Jesus made wine of some sort. It must be permissible to drink alcohol of some sort. However, it is clearly not permissible for Christians to be drunk. Ephesians 5 is very clear. There are clear limits, and those are according to, our, to God's word, not simply what we choose. The admonition to not judge or not look down on the other is not to say that one Christian does not have the right and even the obligation to speak God's word into the lives of one another. That's one of the, the, the things that I value so much in small group and in discipling relationships. We have the opportunity to speak God's word into one another's lives, to encourage, to exhort one another. There's a popular saying, friends don't let friends drive drunk, right? Well, I would say Christians don't let Christians live drunk. Ephesians 5, because God has given us a better way to live, to live by His Spirit and to, instead of trying to self-medicate ourselves and forget about troubles or sorrows in other ways. But the admonishment in verse 3 remains, don't judge one another for not following the rules that you follow, and don't look down on one another as less spiritual for living more freely in faith as you do. Sometimes we pass judgment on one another so that we can feel more spiritual about ourselves. Example, when I first came to Brush Prairie back in 2005, that Christmas happened to fall on a Sunday. And I was surprised. I, 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 I found it inconceivable that many of the churches, in fact, probably the majority of churches similar to ours in Clark County, decided that they were not going to have Sunday worship services on that Sunday because it was Christmas. Well, we had just moved back from Africa, and, and our Christian context in Africa was that no matter what day of the week it was, on Christmas you always had church, typically about 10 o'clock or so. So you wake up early, you might do things together as a family, and then you would all get dressed up and go to church because it was one of the most special days to worship in all the year. And here I came to Clark County, and these pagans don't want to come to church on Christmas? I was, I was so pleased. In fact, inwardly, I was proud that we did have worship service that Sunday. However, our worship of Jesus is never something for us to be proud about. I will not glory anything I do, but I will only glory, only boast, only be proud in the cross. I will boast and glory in what Jesus has done and does for us. In verse 5, he, he gives another example. In verse 5, he says that one esteems one day important 
maybe the Sabbath, maybe Sunday. Another considers every day the same. Let each one be fully convinced in his own mind, rather than bad-mouthing one another about it. Fully convinced is, again, a matter of faith. What do I understand God is telling me from his word? We need to have faith concerning interpreting God's word, what it rightly means, and that we should believe, that we should follow, because this is clearly what God has said. But we also need to have faith in God's Spirit in how the Spirit applies the truth of God's Word, rightly interpreted, to our different circumstances and in our individual lives. And God's Spirit will apply His Word to us in ways that He does not apply to others. For instance, when God called our family to go to Africa in missions, it would have been a sin for us to say no and not go. It would also be a sin for me to look down on others for not going. Maybe they were called to the wilds of some place like Battleground or Portland instead. <coughs> Similarly, it would be a sin for you to carelessly put your children in a place of danger. And yet it would also be sinful for you to judge those crazy missionaries for taking their kids to Africa. Okay, that's enough circling around the principles. Let me get specifically to the point. Some churches are going to begin meeting around us here in Clark County without following the state mandate. I've heard from them. I know they're going to. Others will continue to not meet or to only meet in ways that follow the mandate carefully. I've heard from them. Some churches will, will sue the state. They'll bring lawsuits. Other churches do not think that they should be part of a lawsuit. Some people wear masks for themselves or for others. Some think people are wrong not to wear masks. Some people are gathering in groups of people and others will gather as soon as we're in phase two, but not before. Others feel it's safer not to gather for weeks or even months from now for Sunday worship or in small groups. Now, what do we do with all these different perspectives and conclusions? What do we do with these differences? In two words, bless them. But you know I've got more than two words left, so. Let not the church who opens despise the one who does not open. Let not the church who follows the mandate judge the church who does not follow the mandate. But Bob, we're supposed to be subject to government. I know, we'll talk about that next week. Let not the one who meets with others despise the one who does not meet with others. But Bob, Hebrews says we are not to forsake the gathering together. I know, I know. But the, the chemo patient with compromised immunity stays away from gatherings and even church services during flu season, right? Let not the one who does not meet with others judge those who do meet with others. But those people, by meeting together like that, outside the mandate especially, they could be spreading the virus more widely in our community. They could be affecting, infecting us all. But if we start judging one another on every difference in prudence or because of our own fears of how that might relate to us, we are going to be very busy people indeed. Our confidence is this. Don't pass judgment on the one whom God has welcomed. Let's pause there in verse 3. Soak that in. 
God has embraced you. God has received you. God has welcomed you. Don't pass judgment on the one whom God has received, and that one is you. And God has so received those other rascals, too. Don't tear down the one whom God has upheld and will cause to stand. In verse 4, don't worry when others judge you. When others criticize you, Jesus himself is your intercessor and your advocate. Oh, and he's theirs too. So be careful what charges you bring. Our focus is not what we ourselves choose to do, nor is it on how we are to best obey the government. Our focus is on how we are to follow Jesus. Look again at verses 7 and 8. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. So the point is not even how do we best preserve our health. The point is always how are we to best follow the Lord. Just as the one who dresses up on Sunday is demonstrating that it's special to gather as the body of Christ in worship like a wedding day, and so he dresses up for it. Or the one who dresses casually is demonstrating that we don't have to put on any external change or facade in order to come into God's presence. I'm going to come as I regularly am because I'm celebrating that I'm fully accepted in Christ just as I am. That would make a good hymn, wouldn't it? Similarly, the church that opens contrary to the mandate demonstrates that gathering for worship is essential and is a right of our citizenship to be valued and protected for others, even as Paul exercised his right for others. But if one does so, we hope it would be in ways that would not cause anyone else to stumble or to make it seem Christians care more about their own rights than for others. That's the second half of this chapter. You can... You can read that here in a few minutes. The church that does open demonstrates honor for government and care for the sanctity of human life as they are so convinced. We would hope that they're doing so is for the purpose of pleasing God rather than pleasing men. But only God knows that, so we dare not judge. Let's assume that those who meet with others, even before groups are specifically allowed, let's assume that they do so to live out assembling to encourage and exhort one another, just as Hebrews describes, rather than for their own enjoyment. Let's assume that those who will wait for a while to meet, that they're, they're going to hold off on meeting with others as a group, that they're going to do so to be careful stewards of the sanctity of the life God has given us, not because of fear. Does God call different ones of us in similar circumstances to serve him differently? It seems to me that that's just like he calls some to go to Africa and some to stay here. Yes, he does. He calls us as different ones to serve him differently, even in similar circumstances. So to those churches called to challenge this mandate in court or by opening services, thank you for preserving essential freedoms of worship and assembly that we too easily can take for granted. And to those churches called to follow the pandemic mandates and guidelines, thank you for sacrificing something that you value, the gathering together for the safety and the concerns of others.
I have just made our lives exponentially easier this morning. We don't have to worry about what so many other people and churches should or should not do. You and I, our church together, we can instead focus on that simple yet crucial question which with everything began for Paul in Acts chapter 9. Lord, what would you have me to do? And let's do just that. Meanwhile, may those who meet pray for those who wait. And may those who wait pray for those who meet. And may we each and all seek to intentionally and sacrificially follow Jesus to honor him and to help others.